At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Assembly Required, Building a Case for Church, where we'll see what the Psalms teach us about a life of faith lived in community. Okay, this morning we get a chance for a few moments to dive into God's Word. So if you have a Bible or electronic device, I want to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, or the first psalm together. I've got a little bit of show and tell today. Um, actually, I have this left over from my sermon illustration last week. So maybe I'm going to be watching the kids, and if I see someone acting really, really good and following along, this may be yours. So I'm looking to the kids out here, all right? Put that aside. All right, as you're turning there, um, I have something, a little bit of show and tell. Does anyone know what this is? Close. I heard over here. It, this is a hymnal. Now, this is like really, really old school. For some of you guys that are really, really young, you have no idea what this is. It looks like a Bible. But this was a staple in my church growing up, and even, the, even here uh, when we were Redeemer. Uh, this is a, a staple to church. This was a sign and a symbol of corporate worship, right? Because you'd come in every Sunday morning, and inside of this hymnal, hymnal are a bunch of songs, with the actual music and the words. And so they weren't up on the screen. Instead, they'd be in the pew in front of you. And so you'd come in and the, the worship director or the, the song leader would stand up and say, everyone, take out your, your hymnals and turn to, to song 425 and let's stand and sing together. You guys remember those days? Yeah. So this was like, this was corporate worship. So they didn't have words in the screen. It was all in a book. And uh, there was a time in which sometimes in my church growing up, every fifth Sunday, we would meet on Sunday night and we'd have a fifth Sunday sing. And that was the time when people would sing special music uh, or also our worship leader at the time would say, okay, now we're going to sing some of your favorite hymns so that you get a chance to call out your favorite hymn. And my sister was the little one that she'd always try to find the most obscure hymn. And try to, you know, mess with the pianist and all that. Yeah, that was my sister. And uh, they learned it soon enough so that uh, later on, when she started calling them out, they would just, like, skip her and uh, didn't want to mess with it. But corporate worship, this is what it was about. And we know, as we're talking today, that God has designed us to gather together for corporate worship. There's something in the fact that when the saints gather together, that the Lord is pleased and the Lord's is, is lifted up. But did you know that in the Bible, there's actually a hymnal too? Inside the Bible, there's kind of a hymnal. It's called the Book of Psalms, which is what we're going to be looking at today. You see, even back in the Old Testament, God designed his people to gather together and to worship him and lift his name on high. And today we're going to get a chance for the next few weeks, gather together and walk through some of the Psalms, which is a collection of poems. It's a collection of prayers. It's a collection of songs that God's people in the Old Testament days uh, would gather together and sing. And much of our worship today is a, a collection. Some of our songs are adapted from psalms and so uh, today we're going to uh, spend some time going through this and we're going to see uh, the book of psalms and how it can be impactful for the church and for the people of God now we need to be reminded that the book of psalms itself was used in corporate worship so it was used for the body of believers uh, to or the the body of those that that followed uh, God for their worship now today, what's happened a lot is that uh, instead of it being a book that we use corporately, a lot of times the book of Psalms for the Christian today has become a private book. 
It's, it's where we go in those times where we need uh, to connect with the Lord, and that's good. It, we should, and you should. When you have difficult times, go to the book of Psalms and listen to how some of the, some of the psalmists uh, communicate their love, their frustration, their peace, uh, their promises in God himself. And so it's a great book. But it originally was designed for corporate worship. And so this series, as we are uh, gathering together, we're talking about assembly required, realizing that, that it is God's heart for his people to gather together. And for those of you that aren't able to gather with us, we, we know that we miss you and uh, we pray that, that you still feel the love of God in this season and know that we want to get everyone back together as soon as possible, but sometimes it's just not safe in this season. So we want to honor that and still honor the word of the Lord. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the idea, we're going to be looking at the Psalms from a corporate perspective, from a body perspective, from the family of God perspective. And we're going to be looking at things that we can learn about our need and our desire to be together as church family. So Psalm 1, I've got a quick video that I'd like to show you that goes through Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night, he is like a tree planted by streams of water yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. get a chance to dive in uh, to this series today. Uh, what we see here is the psalmist, as he's writing this psalm, is showing the supreme importance of the word of God in the life of a follower and in the life of the church. He, he sets it up as, as in two paths. There's either the path that leads to happiness or the path that leads to destruction. And the one who uh, delights and meditates on the word of God, that one is blessed. And so we have to get a chance to, to determine if we are going on which path we are on, whether we're on a path that leads to happiness or a path that leads away from God. And so today, as we look at this, we, I want us to learn how we can walk through this. And the big idea for today is that when we gather, we gather to delight in God's word. Every Sunday when we come together, we gather to delight in God's word. That's why God calls us to be a part of, of this gathering, is, is to have God's word be the primary place and the primary teacher during this time. So what happens when we delight and we meditate on God's word? We see here the psalmist gives us three benefits of gathering together and delighting in meditating on God's word. The first thing that we see is in verses one and two that the word brings blessing. 
Look at verse 1. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. You know, it's a shocking thing that we have the revelation of God with us, that God has made it so available to you today. There's no excuse for you not to have access to the word of God, but the challenge is that many people today don't even desire to read God's word, don't even desire to open up God's word because they don't think it applies to their life. They, they get, maybe they get to some parts of it and it's kind of confusing and it's, it's kind of hard to understand. And so they're like, I, I, that book was written so many years ago. How can it apply to my life today? It's, it's so out of date. It needs to be updated to the, the now. And so many people think that way. But as I said last week, I don't know if you remember this or not. I said, the Bible speaks truth into every area of our life. You want to be a better parent? Read the Bible. You want to be a better husband? Read the Bible. You want to be a better employer or employee? Read the Bible. You're having problems with your finances? Read the Bible. The Bible speaks into every area of our life. And you may be sitting here today and you're like, I don't believe you. Like, the Bible doesn't know what I'm going through right now in my life. The Bible doesn't know that my husband and I aren't getting along, or the Bible knows that my kids and I aren't getting along. They, the Bible doesn't know those things. But I want you to see the beauty of the Bible today. What is the deepest need of man? Like, think about it today. Like, what is every person that's alive right now searching for in life? I'll tell you what they're searching for, and you probably know it too. They're searching for happiness, right? Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to be at peace. Everyone wants to be at a place where everything is good. Well, look at what the psalmist says. He's going to lay it out for us. This, this word that very begins the book of Psalms says blessed. This Hebrew word for blessed is the term that literally translated means happy. And it's not just like happy because you're like going to a birthday party or anything like that. It's a, it's a, a state of eternal peace. It's a state of being uh, complete and whole and completely content in everything. So the psalmist here is going to give us the key to being happy. He says he's going to explain it. He's going to say there are two paths that you can go down. One's going to lead to happiness and one is not going to lead to happiness. And he's going to contrast the happy path, which God designed, against the popular path that the world has described. These two paths. You see, each one of us live our lives being influenced by so many different things. We're bombarded by messages and we have to sift through and say to ourselves, what are we going to allow to influence our lives? And the, the psalmist here shows us the dangers of allowing the world or our culture to influence us. He gives us this, this three degrees of departure from God. Look, he says here, and he gives us in the negative, right? He starts off by saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Instead, do this because this leads to the life that you truly desire. So first of all, he says, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. What he's saying here is don't listen to or accept the advice of the worldly or of the wicked. And literally, he's just saying this word wicked is those that are anybody or anything that is not uh, directing you towards God. Those are the wicked. Anyone that would say that life is anything other than following God. 
So he says, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Realizing, my brothers and sisters, that we live in a world where we're constantly bombarded by wicked messages. The messages that say life is all about you. Life is all about you uh, gaining more things and having more things. Don't listen to the advice of the wicked. And that's the first thing. As we start pulling away from the word of God and start listening to the things of this world, what it begins to do is that then it impacts the way that we walk. Because he says, don't stand in the way of the sinner. Once we start listening to advice, right? We hear advice, then we want to put that advice into practice. And what he's saying with the wicked, what's going to happen is you're going to start hearing it and then you're going to want to do it. And then you start walking in the way of the sinner, And then he says, and when you start doing that, it doesn't stop there. He says, don't sit in the seat of the scoffers. What what that is, is this person that has walked in the way of the wicked now looks at the one that's on the path towards God and scoffs at them. And says, that person is bad. That person's evil. That person is the true enemy here. Do you see the advice of the world? Happiness isn't a byproduct of departing from God's word. Do you see this today from the psalmist? This is God's design and he's telling you, you wanna be happy, don't follow the way of the world because it doesn't lead to happiness, it only leads to hatred. It only leads to you distinguishing yourself from, from others and it doesn't bring us together but it brings us further apart. Verse two gives us the key. He says, don't walk in those ways. Don't spend time listening to all of those things. Instead, you delight in the law of the Lord. And on this law, meditate on it day and night. The Bible needs to be the primary influencer of our thoughts. The Bible needs to be the primary influencer of our affections. Because then the Bible will be the primary influencer of our actions. That's how it works. The Bible needs to be what we delight in it. See it not as an oppressive message from God to us, but see it as something that gives life and breathes life into us. Let me give you a quick illustration of what I mean by this. See these carnations? When these carnations grew in the ground, uh, they were yellow. But now, I don't know if you can see this, but I've placed them in some red dyed water. And guess what has happened to them? It's changed them. Now you may say, well, that's beautiful. And that's great. In the same way it works, whatever we're planting ourselves in, whatever we are drawing from for food and for nourishment, it's going to impact us. So if this is the world, guess what's gonna happen is we're surrounding ourselves with the things of this world and neglecting the word of God. It's going to influence us. It's gonna come into us and it's gonna change the way that we look for better or worse. So the psalmist is saying here, the one that meditates on the word of God, who thinks about it, delights in it day in and day out, is going to be changed. The same is true for you and I. What we choose to influence us, influences us. And you know, I get it. You know, in this season that we're in, it is so challenging to know what's going on, right? 
We are so desperate to know the truth during this season. We wanna know like what's going on with this virus thing. And we wanna know what's going on with the world economy. And we wanna know who's gonna be president. We wanna know all of these things. And we're bombarded by messages that say that this is the truth and this is the truth and this is the truth. And you can go to bed at night and have your head completely spinning. And you're like, I don't even know which way is up. Anybody like that? It's so confusing. And if you're living your life going from news page to news page to Facebook article to Facebook article and all of these things and seeing all of this hate and all of this division and you're not spending time on the word of God, you are headed for destruction. We need, especially during this time, we need to be people of the word where this becomes our food by day, by day, by day, moment by moment by moment. We need to be devouring this because how in the world are we gonna know the right way to live in this current context and in this current culture? Brothers and sisters, we need to find the delight in God's word. We should be pressing into God's word instead of checking out We need to stop neglecting our first love and come back to the word of God. I was reading a a just devastating article this week about a uh, a poll that has been done by the Barna Group. They they went through and they, since the the pandemic and since the, the breakdown and churches are now starting back open again, they went through and they did a quick survey and what they found is one in three practicing believers. So the ones that were considered themselves active attenders of church. One in three have disconnected from the church during this time of pandemic. That means that they not only not coming to church, they've stopped connecting with the church through online services. They're totally out there on their own doing their own thing. This is a shocking thing. And I know many of you know so many people that have done this too. And if we look at the lives of those that that we love that are already far from God or have stopped connecting with the church, how's it going for them? Right? I hear stories that people say, you know, I we you know I can't come to church now because uh, like my kids, you don't understand my kids. You don't understand. They're like crazy kids. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I had crazy kids too. I was the crazy kid. I was telling the story about uh, uh, to someone last week that when I was a child, our, our church had pews. And underneath the pews, they were like completely lined up. And so one day, I decided that what I was going to do is I'm going to lay on the ground and I'm going to army crawl all the way up to the front because my mom was in the choir. My dad was an usher in the back. And there's no way they could get me. I was that kid. Until Miss Teresa saw me walk crawling underneath the pew, and she, what she did, she grabbed my foot, and she pulled me back, grabbed my ear, and she said, you sit here now. <laughs> and for the rest of the time, until, until we, we switched churches, I sat there every day with Miss Teresa. She'd give me a piece of gum, and she had a pen for me so I could draw. You know, I get it. I get it, but we can't neglect coming to church. And so many people during this season have stopped we stopped connecting with God's word. We stopped being around God's people and we're headed for disaster. Not, not eternal disaster. That's not what I'm talking about. If you are a believer in Christ, like you're, you're secure, your end is secure, but you may have a harder road along the way if you disconnect from the word of God. God's word brings blessing. God's word brings happiness. This is what I wanna encourage you to do. Spend time in God's word. begin devouring or continue devouring God's word during the season. But I also want you to, to look around and see who's not here. 
See who's not here. And I want you to take time to think about them and reach out to people that you don't see and ask how they're doing. Not in a way that says you should be at church because some people can't be at church. I get that. But how are you doing? Ask the question, how are you doing? Are you in God's word? Are you continuing to devour God's word? Or have you stopped? Be that encourager during this season. Maybe you know a a bunch of people that can't come, they'd rather gather in homes. Maybe instead you become that missionary and say, you know what, I'm gonna give up my church attendance now so that I can have people gather in my home. You know what, that's okay. If you wanna gather people in your home during this season, what a great way to even go deeper. And this is what you could do. You gather together to watch the service at 9.30. And then after that, maybe you have some little bit of coffee and things like that. But then after that, uh, let me know. I'll give you some discussion questions where you can gather in your group and you can walk through taking the sermon and going a little bit deeper. That's okay during the season. We wanna be disciplers and we wanna make sure that we're still gathering together. Second of all, I want us to see that the word brings fruitfulness. The word brings fruitfulness. In verse three, we say, he, this is the happy man, is like a tree planted by a stream of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You see, this is the picture of the person that makes the word of God where they are go to, the center of their life. They center their lives around the word of God. And this is an analogy of what the person's life is like. Look, it's a tree that's planted by the stream. So the tree that's planted by the stream has nutrients. It has everything that it needs to grow. And not only does it grow, but it grows and it yields fruit in its season. It begins to produce and begins to do what it was made to do. And then its leaves do not wither. This is a picture of the one that's planted by the stream that's producing fruit. When the, the winds of change happen or when the winds of life happen, it is not moved. The leaves don't wither. You make it through and you thrive through even when the world around you is falling apart. This is the blessing we have in the word of God. I want you to see, I brought a tree with me this morning. And we can see this is a beautiful tree, right? It once was a tree, but it's no longer a tree. And you know what's scary about this tree is that this tree is not planted by the streams. This tree is not producing fruit and this tree will never have leaves that wither because it's all plastic. But the reality is look at how easily this tree can be moved. If I am change and I am difficulties and I am challenges in life, this tree has nothing to hold it down. It goes to and fro and though it may look like it has life, guess what? That tree is dead. And there's so many followers of Jesus Christ that have checked out and this is how they're living right now. They, they don't know which way is up and so their lives are doing this on a daily basis and they're moving to and fro and today they're like, well, we should wear masks and tomorrow they're like, we shouldn't wear masks and who cares about masks? I wanna know what the word of God says. We cannot be tossed to and fro in this world. Because the world wants to confuse you. And the world wants to tell you that this way is up. And God says, no, 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 no. The way you go up is by bending your knee before Jesus. And coming under the teaching of God's word. God's given us all that we knew. 
And as the church gathers together and the word of God is the center of our lives. You know, I love Woodside Bible Church because Bible is our middle name. We some of you will get that later. <laughs> I love Woodside Bible Church. I love our church because we care about the word. We believe that this is God's revelation to us, God's love letter to us to show us how we can live in this world and not be overwhelmed by this world. The word of God brings fruit in our lives. It produces in us godliness. And that's what God is after. God is after godliness in your life and my life. But the third truth that we see today is that God's word brings salvation. God's word brings salvation. Look at me in verse four. He says, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. He's talking about the, the destination, the eternal destination of these two groups, either the happy man or the wicked man. And the happy man, again, is the one that makes the word of God the source, the primary influencer in his life. And the wicked man is the one that allows the world to influence him. And this wicked man is like chaff that the wind drives away. This wicked man has nothing to hold him, center him in the storms of life. This wicked man also, not only in his life, um, has nothing to, to hold him down, but the wicked man will stand in judgment. The wicked man will have to stand and say, I, even though I had access to your word, I rejected the truth of your word. And that wicked person will receive judgment, and it's not just an instantaneous judgment, it's a judgment, as we talked about last week, that is an eternal justice or eternal judgment where for eternity you bore and bear the wrath of God in hell for eternity for not believing in God's word, not believing in God's revelation, and not believing in Jesus. Because what we need to understand is God's word brings salvation. Do you know what every page on this book points to? Every book, every page in this book points to Jesus. Everything. Go to the Old Testament and you can see all of those stories, all of those accounts, all point to Jesus. We see like Moses. Moses, even though he was a, a figure that led God's people out of slavery, Moses was pointing to Jesus. He was saying, I am fallible, I am not perfect, but there will be one that will come that will truly set men free from their sins. Every story, every account, every page points to Jesus. Why is Jesus so important? Because Jesus is the only one that can cure us from the curse of sin. See, God didn't leave us here on our own to say, hey, I'm God, so I make all the rules. You must be holy, and then now you're not holy, so you're eternally condemned, and I'm just gonna leave you there. No, God loved us so much that he sent the ultimate missionary to us in Jesus who lived the perfect life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserve so that we could know him. Do you know Jesus today? Do you know him as your savior and your Lord? And here's the challenge about all this. Like there are a lot of people that know that Jesus saves. There are a lot of people that know that Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, can forgive you of your sins. And a lot of people say, I want that Jesus. I want the saving Jesus, but I don't want the lordship Jesus. 
You see, the difference there is the person that just wants Jesus to, to get them out of hell, like that's a part of salvation. But the other part of salvation is the fact that when you come to Jesus, you give up the rights to your life. You say, it's no longer I that lives, but it's you that lives in me to will me and to do the things that you desire me to do. That we begin to be on a path towards godliness. Some people are like, ah, I'll take Jesus as my savior, but I don't want that other stuff. Well, then you're not fully saved. You're not on the right path. You're believing a partial piece of the message. You've gotta be all in when you come to Jesus. And just say, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. Here's all my trash. Here's all my shame. Take me, use me. And maybe in this season, I, 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 I wanna be real with you just for a moment. In this season, my prayer for myself has been, God, please help me not miss this opportunity. This is a very special time in world history. God is up to something. And this is, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they're like, what do you think God's up to? I, I, I think what God is up to is he wants the people, everyone in the world to realize that they are not in control, right? Like science, not in control. Governments, not in control. But who's truly in control during the season? God. And would our eyes look to him and say, God, you're up to something. And my deepest, darkest prayer, or deepest prayer, it's not dark, it's a good thing. Um, my deepest prayer is that God would use me in this season, that I would not miss it. And I don't know what that truly means yet. I'm still begging him, God, help me be faithful during the season. But I do know that it begins by being faithful to his word. Let us be faithful to his word. Let us find the salvation and know and live in the salvation that he's given us. If you're a kid here today, inside of your pack, you should have a little baggie. How many, take your baggie out real quickly. Put it up high in the air. All right, inside of that baggie is an acorn. Now, you know what the beauty of an acorn is? is though it's small in size and though it has a hard shell, you take this acorn and you put it in some soft soil and you give it light and you give it water and you allow it to have everything that needs to, to grow and thrive and guess what's gonna happen? This is gonna grow into a massive tree that produces millions and millions and millions of acorns every year, maybe not millions, but it seems like it every time I have to go pick them up on the ground, right? Like, think about the potential that is in this seed. In us is much more potential for the kingdom of God if we take that seed, we take our lives, and we plant ourselves in the word of God. Now, I understand that there are, there are pieces in the word of God that are difficult to understand. I, understand. I know that. But be faithful Use resources, use Bible study tools along the way. Get in a group where you can study the word of God together and grow deeper in understanding. I remember when I was 16 and I became a devourer of Jesus' word, none of it made sense to me. But now, after being faithful over all of these years, I come to the word of God and every day, God speaks to me in a new way. Maybe the same passage that I've read over and over and over again now comes alive. The word of God is so important in each one of our lives. Let us be planted, let us be rooted, and let us in this season make the Bible our, the primary influencer of our church, but also of our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for your revelation in the word of God that shows us the way to you. 
I pray, God, uh, that today, if we during the season have stepped away from reading your word and, and being students of your word, Father, I pray that your, you would convict us, but this conviction would not be a overwhelming conviction that would make us feel as though we're bad people or dirty people, but that we would just be reminded that your mercies are new and that we begin again today by picking up your word, reading it, and seeing how to have a happy life. Father, I pray today that you would continue to speak to us, continue to encourage us and challenge us. And Father, if there's someone here that does not know you, Father, I pray today that they would come to know you, that they would give their lives over to you. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.